podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Champions again. Hello and welcome to episode of 167 of the Glasgow is Green podcast. I'm your host Rizzo and I'm joined this episode by Spunkphone where we're having the debrief about the weekend Celtic became champions with a 2-0 win over Hearts. Sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. It wasn't because we had technical difficulties at all. It was because we were so extremely hungover after raising so much hell. Isn't that right, Spunkphone? It is indeed, John. It is indeed. Um, I've just about recovered. Obviously, we do have to talk about the football first, unfortunately, um, and then we can get to the chat about raising hell. But it's a, a pleasure to be here, albeit I'm still feeling a bit, a bit worse for wear after uh, Sunday's festivities. Yep. Well, we've managed to go over it now. Thankfully, we're back on the, on the road to recovery. And yes, let's talk about the game now, a few days ago, but our most recent game, still fresh in the memory, our, our sensational 2 0 win, which saw us become champions of Scotland for the 53rd time. Setting title in a row under Ange, a great achievement by him and the players who have only dropped points three times in the league this season, which is a great consistency. So, on the game itself, the team was the one that I think most people predicted would be selected. There was no Alistair Johnson, he was replaced by Anthony Ralston. No Cameron Carter Vickers, he's out for the season. Good luck to him in his recovery for knee surgery. Apparently it's all went well and he should hopefully be back for the start of next season. Johnson will hopefully be back for the cup final, but it's touch and go for that. And CCB was replaced by Yuki Kobayashi. And I have to say, Spunkphone, I thought after a sort of pretty ropey start by the team overall, that both Kobayashi and Ralston did well. And I wouldn't have, I know we'll be talking about this game a wee bit later, but I wouldn't have any issues with them starting against Rangers at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. As, as you kind of alluded to there, it was a bit of a, a shaky start. I think that was probably a combination of the changes, albeit, as you say, I think Kobayashi and Ralston played well and were both relatively comfortable. But I think it was a combination of, of that. And to be fair, I, I thought in the first half in particular, Hearts did actually play quite well. They got after us. Bit of lack of quality in both boxes, obviously. There wasn't a shot on target until sort of later on in the second half. But yeah, as much as it was a little bit of a difficult start to the game, I, I do think as it went on, both of them coped well. And you would fully expect them both to, to start Ibrox at the weekend there. And I've, I've no quarrels with that, given uh, what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, I'm confident that both would be able to equip themselves well. Kobayashi's been at Celtic... A while now, and I think he's done well whenever game he's played, and we know Ralston can play well on his day as well, so yep, I would have confidence in them. We'll talk more about that game later on at the end of the pod, because we're not doing a preview episode, just to let everybody know. Because, I mean, hey, it's a quote-unquote meaningless Glasgow derby, but we will talk about it later on. So we'll go on to the, the big topic of the game that happened in the first half, which was the sending off of Hearts' Alex Cochran, 
who initially was awarded a yellow card for a foul on Dyson when he was running towards the penalty box. And he had, I think, Jota and Kyogo in the penalty box, like ready to collect a pass. If he had managed to get the pass away, of course, he was fouled on his way towards goal. Referee Nick Walsh originally awarded a yellow card, but he consulted VAR, and thanks to that great guy, Willie Colm, who would never criticise who was in charge of VAR, Walsh changed his mind and decided to upgrade it to a red card. Now, it looked like a good decision to me, but for some reason it just made Andy Walker furious. And I don't want to tell it to one of these guys, it's like, oh, the pundits are all against us. But it is weird, Andy Walker, who is a Celtic fan, just goes on so daft at times when it comes to Celtic, especially about VAR, and he was ranting on about how it had ruined the game, and he was still going on about it at the start of the second half. And Spotphone, it was a good decision, so I don't, I really don't know why Andy Walker and that was so annoyed. I mean, I can understand Hearts fans being annoyed because, I mean, it probably ended their chances of getting any points in the game, but it was the right decision, and it probably is just the case that any time a Celtic decision goes in favour of us and VAR, as I said before on here, the world ends and it just it's, it's, the world cannot cope with Celtic get a VAR decision in our favour, but to me it was the right decision, and good old VAR, we've criticised it hundreds of times, but it was right there, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on that. I would indeed, John, I would indeed. I was going to say I was stunned actually that it was a yellow card initially but obviously given the standard of officiating in Scotland I wasn't all that surprised. My TV rather hilariously cut out for about two or three minutes when the yellow card was shown so it was reminiscent of Chris Kamara at uh, Fratton Park I believe it was on Soccer Saturday back in the day when he missed that red card turning it back on and realising that Hearts were now a man down um, and almost a goal down, obviously. Starfield's uh, goal was disallowed for an offside by Anthony Ralston, but I, I thought it was a pretty clear and, and, and obvious red card and, and sending off, and I think it really is only a controversy because the yellow was shown initially and, and then it was obviously upgraded to a red by, by VAR, but i seen today, obviously, in the papers, Hearts haven't appealed it, so... I think um, as much as Stephen Naismith was bemoaning the decision after the game and at the time, clearly the club don't think they've got much of a much of a case, if you like, in terms of getting that rescinded. So I thought it was pretty clear cut, as you say. Dyson's away through. He's either going to take a touch and get a shot away, or he's got Jota or Kyogo to play at square to. So um, as much as there'll be these comments from Andy Walker, for example, about how it ruins the game, don't fill someday when they're through one on one with the goalkeeper. If you don't want to get sent off, would be my. My suggestion there, John? Yep, wise words there, mate. Some people should pay heed to them, but they won't. So, nothing each at half time. But I think everybody knew that in time, the one man advantage would eventually see Celtic take the lead. And we did. And it was the 67th minute, a very apt moment to score the goal that helped Celtic win the league. And it was three of our best players that combined for the goal. A great bit of vision from Carl McGregor to spot Rio Hitati making a run. His brilliant pass picked out Hatai, and his cross was put into the back of net by Kyogo. It was a very close angle, but was a typical Kyogo goal, short-range finish. He actually managed to get injured, I think, celebrating the goal, and we'll talk about that more later on when we're looking at the team that will get picked towards for the weekend's game. But it was three of Celtic's best players showing up like they always do, and really, I think the best part of the goal was the vision by Callum McGregor to spot Hattati's run. Too often, we've got players going forward 
and you see Kyogo especially like wanting a pass played to him and we don't do it. But I thought Cal McGregor, who I thought had been Celtic's first best player in the first half when we weren't at our best, showed a captain's role there. Brilliant inch perfect pass to Hitati, who showed he was back to his best with that running movement. And it was a lovely pass to Kyogo. A typical Ange goal, typical Kyogo goal. And it was the goal that won the game for us because we were always in control after that. But we need to give credit to those three players who have been so good for us this season. That's Kyogo's 30th goal this season, 50 in all for Celtic. If he stays for the next few years, he could easily reach 100, hopefully does. Give us your thoughts on that goal and how the big three combined to put his one all ahead. Well, I think you summed it up perfectly there, John. I mean, not to detract at all from Patati or Kyogo, but the real standout for me as well is the, the pass from McGregor. It's not just great vision, but it's the the leadership, I suppose, if you like. It's him taking ownership, taking the game by the scruff of the neck as well. With, um, staff out in possession of the ball. Callum McGregor just sort of goes to him, shot, give me the ball, essentially. Spots the run from Hitati, which, you know, Kyogo makes those runs in behind. The wingers, the two kind of advanced midfielders have, have done that very often for us, not just this season, but last season as well. And McGregor picks him out. Hitati does very well to actually keep his feet in and play that first-time ball to Kyogo, and then Kyogo finishes at the near post. I did actually think, watching it at the time, that it gone wide initially, but credit to Kyogo, it was a, a real vintage Kyogo goal, making that kind of dart and run in behind, keeping himself onside, and then just the, the one-touch finish as well, good instinct from him, quality as I say from Hitati to play the, the first-time ball, but I did think the real standout in that goal was uh, was McGregor just kind of taking ownership of the situation, it'd been a, a game of few chances and little quality in and around the 18-yard boxes up to that point. Greg Taylor had a couple of efforts, one from range. He had a header in the first half as well. But other than that, it was pretty lacklustre up to that point. But it, it just goes to show when you've got these quality players, these big players, all they really need is, is one opportunity. And Kyogo, time and time again for us this season, came up with big goals. Um, and, and that was obviously one of, the, one of the biggest ones to set us on the way. Yeah, it was, and that really like put us on the way to the win. And the second goal arrived in the 80th minute, and it was good work by three of the substitutes that came on for Celtic. As I said earlier, Kyogo got injured, and he was replaced by O. And then the likes of Haksabanovic and Aaron Moy came on. And Moy and Haksabanovic combined for the goal that was finished by O. It was a nice pass and movement by Haksabanovic and Moy. Crossed by Moy and a lovely deft finish by O. And hopefully that's Aaron Moy back to his best. We know he's been not great since going back to injury, and he was absolutely terrible in that 3-2-1 over Rangers. Calvitz going lost his place in the team since. But it was a good finish. I think it'll give all confidence, especially if he has to start at Ibrox in the weekend. But I think that goal just highlights how strong this Celtic squad did. I mean, you've got the likes of Leela Bader, who apparently came on for the 25th time as a substitute this season, which is a record for Celtic. It wouldn't surprise me if Abada leaves this summer for big money. We'll talk about that later. But that just shows how strong Celtic squad is. Those three players combined for the goal. The likes of Lila Bada kind of get in the team. And it's the strongest squad in a long time. And that second goal just showed it. But what did you think of that goal? I thought it was a lovely wee team move. And well done to all for making up for missing that sitter against Motherwell a couple weeks ago that he get a lot of criticism for. That showed that it didn't bother him at all. And I thought it was a very good goal. Yeah, as you say, they're a great team move, similar obviously to the the first goal in that respect. Talked about obviously the the trademark uh, sort of running behind from Kyogo and 
what's been a real feature of Ange ball, as they call it, with the, the kind of more advanced midfielders, the wingers as well, breaking in behind. That was a real trademark goal in terms of, you know, Haksabanovic, you know when he gets in the ball, he's going to do one thing, that's drive inside. He always wants to cut in for that left-hand side on his stronger right foot. Adam Moy, again, a, a trademark of his, as you saw, for example, for the equalising goal for Kyogo Ibrox, and there have been one or two others that escaped me just now, making that, that run into the 18-yard box and playing, obviously, a brilliant pass across goal for O, who, as you say, came in for a bit of criticism after that miss against Motherwell, which I, I thought was pretty over the top, but I suppose that's the nature of when Celtic drop points domestically. We've just got to learn to live with that, John, unfortunately. But um, a really good instinctive finish from him will do his, his confidence good as well. And he's shown real quality since he's come in the door. I've got no doubts that he'll be able to kick on next season and take his game to another level because I really like what I've seen for him so far. But as I say, trademark Haksabanovic, trademark Moy as well, and a, a brilliant uh, combination between those three for the goal. So that was really the end of the incidents in the game when the final whistle went. And Celtic fans all over the world, I'm sure, celebrated. And the team celebrated as well. There was some good scenes at the end of the, the game at Tynecastle with the, the players and Ange all celebrating, doing the, the trademark Celtic sort of dance celebration. Kyogo especially had done it, and he'd done it as well when the team got back to Celtic Park. And it was a good win. That's us. Second title in a row, and I really think we need to pay tribute before we go into the the after match hilarity. We really need to pay tribute to just the relentlessness of Celtic this season. I mean, thirty four games played, ninety five points, one hundred five goals scored, twenty five conceded. We've only dropped points in three games in the league this season. That is just incredible. We've won thirty one games and. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this. I'm sure Ange and the players will no say much about it. But this team really could set records if we play our strongest team in every game. And just come out and said that I personally wouldn't. But it's his prerogative, and he wants to do that. We'll let him because he's been such a brilliant manager for us. But a lot of times, me and Stevie in like the games this season, he's as he always does. He'll say he don't. He doesn't because he's always worried that this will be the game that finally we drop points. It's just the low averages. But that doesn't seem to worry this Celtic team because they're so incredibly consistent. I mean, winning 31 out of 34 league games is just unbelievable. And like the games we haven't won, St. Mon, fair enough, we deserve to get beat. But Rangers away, like, we could have played better and won that game. Motherwell at home was a bit of a nothing game because the league was like, all but one. But just the, the consistency is fantastic. And I really think in years to come, this will be remembered in the league, especially as one of the best Celtic teams for a long time. I mean, it's reminiscent, I think, of the Martin O'Neill teams that used to just beat teams on a regular basis every week. Just incredibly consistency. Bit different under Brendan because I don't think there was as much of a challenge. I suppose, like, in some of the seasons that came from Aberdeen first. And, I mean, come on, Aberdeen are never going to win the league. Let's be real here. But the consistency this team shows is unbelievable and they deserve a lot of credit. And personally, I would give them a rest after we play Rangers this weekend, but I don't think I will. But just a wee word, Spunk Phone on this 
incredibly consistent Celtic team and how, how they rate for you compared to some of the other great Celtic teams of the past. They have just been utterly relentless to be 34 games into a, a league season. I know a lot gets obviously levelled at the, the quality of Scottish football. We have the odd go at the, the kind of overall standard at the minute, but still, notwithstanding that, to go through... 34 games only dropping points in, in three of those and you know you look back to for example last season as well and we were obviously still still building um, especially in the early stages I think we dropped points in I think it was nine games last season albeit three of those were the, the three defeats that we suffered in the, the opening six games but it is just an astonishing level of consistency to be sat here as well with 105 goals with, with four games still to play it is frankly ridiculous and it's not just in terms of the results either because for large periods of this season um, particularly after Michael Beale for example took over at Rangers they did go on a run but they were kind of grinding out results, they were winning a lot of games by the odd goal it's very rare that the Celtic team's won a game by the odd goal, they've, they've played some brilliant football outstanding football at times yeah Sunday wasn't vintage at points, but you see the quality in, in terms of the, the team moves, the combinations for the two goals, and it's been a constant throughout the season. Interesting hearing some of the comments after the game. I think it was Callum McGregor that said, we're still not quite there yet, which I'm assuming the only thing he can be alluding to there is is Europe, and you've got to hope, obviously, that next season we can raise our game um, and, and obviously no miss so many daft chances like we did in those Champions League games because that really did haunt us in that particular competition. But nothing but credit for this team, as I say, they've been absolutely relentless. You know, to only drop points in three out of 34 games, forced out to play, and they've, they've hit over 100 goals. We won the double last season. I hope that we can go one better this season because this Celtic team deserves it. Obviously, they won't have the sense of entitlement or anything like that that they you know, can rock up and simply beat Inverness. They will obviously show them respect in that Scottish Cup final, but it would be a fitting way for this season to end with, with Celtic with a treble in the in the bank because they've they've been good value for it to to put it lightly, John. Yeah, we have been, and of course we'll talk about the cup final a lot more in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be doing a preview episode, and then of course we'll be doing a review. So you've got that to look forward to. Hopefully, that will result in Celtic winning a a treble. But as you say, the team won't take Inverness lightly, and we shouldn't as well. And before we get back to football topics, let's talk about the aftermatch scenes. When, yes, the team returned to Celtic Park, to thousands and thousands of fans there, including us, yes, me and you, our dear leader Stevie, some other legends, such as Sky Sports News star Hamish, were there as well. Now, we weren't there to see the team, but we didn't see the team. We can uh, reveal that we did see something sensational. We saw some German Shepherds wearing Celtic strips. Yes, that is what we saw at Celtic Park, where we missed the team. And we did also drink copious amounts of beer as well. But we didn't break the law, of course, by drinking in the street. We would never do that. So, Spunkfoy, what did you think uh the scenes at Celtic Park? The the incredible array of pyrotechnics, the thousands of thousands of fans, and the fact that we somehow managed to not see Ange, the players, or even Jerry McCulloch, which I know is a blow to yourself because we're, we're both great fans of that man. That's exactly what I was going to say there, John. We somehow obviously managed to, to miss the team. We were that far back and at the time, I think, trying to dodge the wide array of pyrotechnics that were getting fired all over the shop. Although, to be fair, we were kind of stood a bit 
further away from that pandemonium, it did look fantastic, particularly the, the smoke bombs and, and obviously thousands of people on the Celtic Way, on the, the grass, the surrounding roads, um, that entire area. It, it did look did look terrific. I know you and Steve got a few a few pictures. I was obviously living in the moment as I like to do, so I think I got my phone up for maybe one, but it was rubbish. So I'll leave that to you guys in future. You are the the resident photographers. But as you say, it was sensational. So you know the German Shepherds, those brave German Shepherds, John, because they were not phased in any way by the pyrotechnics, the, the fireworks, the smoke bombs. Um, so credit to them. Uh, and, and obviously credit to them, I'm sure, by their own choice, turning up in, in a, a wide array of Celtic jerseys as well. So that was really terrific to see. Um, we did briefly overhear Jerry McCulloch, but obviously we never clocked that that was the team out at that point. I just thought Jerry McCulloch overnight had became very, very popular with the support because he got some pop as they would say in the biz when he came out. But sure enough, we did manage to miss Ange and the players. But we, we did drink, as you say, copious amounts of beer, um, all done legally and not in the streets, of course. <laughs> yes, of course, we, we don't break the law. We're we are law-abiding citizens. But no, I thought it was great. And if there is another like Celtic fan extravaganza, in, like, for example, the Merchant City and roundabout Celtic Park, after we play Aberdeen and get the league title, get the league trophy, will you be there? Because I won't be at the game. I know you will, but I think I will try and be there. I'll go and watch it in a pub somewhere, I'm sure. The rest of the Celtic crew that we watch at games will be about. Will you also be there, Spunk Phone, to partake in some more alcohol and vibing after the Aberdeen game? To quote a much-used meme on a certain social media website that we would never criticise, John, I will be there no matter what. Fingers crossed it is after the Aberdeen game. I know we had this discussion on Sunday en route to Celtic Park. Given that we've obviously got an opportunity to clinch a treble, I just think the combination of that stupid kick-off time and also the fact that there'll be 60,000 at the, the final game of the season as opposed to uh, 40,000 at the cup final I, I do think it's it's best that if we do take over the Merchant City again that has done the final day of the season and I'm not just saying that because I happen to have a, a brief as the wonderful red tops in this country would say for that particular match but I, I will be partaking if there is another grand booze off to, to see out the season because again this team deserve it Yep, as ever there's a Celtic team that deserve to be saluted by drinking copious amounts of booze it's this one. And yeah, just, just a quick rant on the cup final. Kick-off time, half five is an absolute disgrace. I mean, we'll talk about that more, I would think, in the cup final preview that we'll do in a few weeks' time. But no, that is really bad. And I think the, the clubs were well within their rights to be annoyed about it, the Celtic and Everness, because it's no fair to them. But we'll talk about that more in a few weeks. Now, before we talk about the derby, let's talk about the... PFA Scotland team of the season which was announced today and there's seven Celtic players in it the team is as follows Joe Hart, the captain sensational Tav, CCV Carl Starfield Greg Taylor, Malik Tillman, Carl McGregor Rio Hattati Duke, Kyogo and Kevin Van Veen so that's I think seven Celtic players in the team two for Rangers, one for Aberdeen and one for Motherwell. So that might give you a sort of look at what players will be nominated for the Player of the Year 
which I think takes place this Sunday. They've not the nominations haven't been announced yet at the time of doing the pod. But I think both the player of the year I think both the PFA player of the year and Celtics player of the year uh, do is this Sunday. So I'm not sure in fact what if a Celtic player wins it, which surely they will, they'll even beat the PFA awards and we have to go for them. So seven Celtic players in that team. Do you think there's anybody that's unlucky and not to make the team for Celtic? Like, uh, let's see, Jota, I think he was perhaps a bit unlucky to miss out. But no, I think seven's maybe fair enough. But do you think there's anybody that was unfortunate to miss out in that? Listen, one thing I will say just right off the bat here is when it comes to these team of the seasons and individual awards come the end of the year, I'm, I'm, I've never been a a big uh, admirer of them, shall we say. Um, I don't tend to really care for them, but for the purposes of this podcast and for the listeners, John, I will indulge. I do think that possibly Jota, maybe even Aaron Moy for that kind of three, four months spell he had as well before he, he was injured is, is maybe a bit unlucky to miss out as well. As you say, Alistair Johnson came in midway through the season Joseph Juranovic, I don't think, was up to the, the level he was last season, the, the six months he was here either. So the Hall of Famer, I think, was always a, a shoe in at right back. Van Veen, to be fair, his form from a lower season has been pretty ridiculous in terms of the numbers he's put up, Duke as well. Um, so no, I, I think, without naming any names, there is certainly one individual in that team of the season who is not like the others, shall we say. And unfortunately for Jota, and as I say, possibly even Adam Moy, they are the ones to... Miss out as a result. Yeah, I don't really care, John, to be honest. The the team of the season, as we all know, is this Celtic team. That's why they are the champions. It's why they're on course for a treble as well. Um, so I don't think that the likes of Jota, Moy, whoever else, um, maybe feels they've missed it, will be losing a lot of sleep over it. Right, so on to the next topic, and indeed our final topic. And it's the upcoming Glasgow Derby on Saturday at Ibrox against Rangers, a game which technically is meaningless because the title is won, even though the cliche is that every Glasgow Derby is important and counts, etc, etc. But really, is this one that important? I mean, I suppose it would be quite funny to defeat Rangers yet again when the game doesn't matter to us. It's probably more important for Rangers than it is for us. I mean, I think Michael Beale does need a win like against us after... Like four games where the best he's got is a draw and three defeats. I think there's more pressure in Rangers. And the team will be interesting because I, I think a lot of people will want the strongest available team. So, But I think there should be changes. I would change the midfield up. I would give Hitati a rest and maybe bring Moy back. And I think the big debate will be Kyogo. We know he suffered a slight injury against Hearts. Would you play him or would you rest him and play O? Because I wouldn't have really any issue with O starting in the game. What's your take on the team that you think Angel select for the game? I think it'll be the, the strongest available 11, John. We know obviously Alistair Johnson's expected to be out. Carter Vickers will be out. So Anthony Ralston, I'd imagine Kobayashi as well, retain their places in the team. If Kyogo's fit, I think he'll play and I've, I've got no problem with that, to be honest. We know that the players were back in on Monday. So as the, the old adage goes, we never stop. I don't think that we'll be making wholesale changes going in that game. As you say, as much as it is largely meaningless for us, and it really does matter a lot more to, to Rangers. Not so much as a, a team or as a squad, if you like, because I fully expect that Rangers team to get torn up in the summer and for there to be a lot of changes, both incoming and outgoing. But 
it's massive for Michael Beals. You're saying that's four games now against Celtic where the best he's managed is a draw. He's lost a, a cup final, a semi final, obviously at Celtic Park as well. And if you go back, obviously, as far as the, the 4 0 game at the start of the season against Giovanni Van Bronckhorst Rangers, it's the opportunity to potentially go through a, a full season against them unbeaten. Obviously, it won't be akin to the, the green and white wash of 03 04 as we did stupidly drop points in that to each game at Ibrox, but. Massive game for them in in terms of, as I say, for Michael Beale really because he, he does need to get one over on, on Celtic or I think the pressure will be ramped up on him big time if it hasn't been already. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how both teams approach the game. I mean, I think normally we usually start those games in the, in the front foot, but I thought in the semi-final eh, a couple weeks ago, Rangers tried to start on the front foot and they were decent for them every the first 10-15 minutes until we gradually controlled the game. So I'll be interested to see how they approach it. I think maybe even more than us, because I don't want to turn this into the the, rain, the Glasgow is blue podcast, but this is, I think, a much bigger game for Rangers. I mean, if we lose the game, I'll probably get slagged for this, but I don't care. I mean, if we lose the game, I'll be annoyed, but I'll go over it, like, no long after it. Because, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. It is meaningless for us. But I'm confident the team will perform better than we did in 2018-19 when the great Lenny was the manager and we just didn't turn up at all and like the team just didn't seem motivated. I wonder why. I, I really think Ange, Ange's team and players are more professional than that. They won't go for a booze up for it, for example. As has been already stated, they were back in on Monday. No days off for them. So, I mean, I think the team will be professional, but I just think that maybe rain the game because the game means more to Rangers, they could be more motivated. But that doesn't mean that Celtic can't get the job done and produce a which would be a obviously a hilarious victory when you consider that the game practically means nothing to us. There'll be no Celtic fans there, of course, so that could have an impact as well. But then, of course, if Rangers got off to a poor start, the fans could turn on them if we get an early goal and we have scored the first goal against Rangers. Every time we've played them this season, in fact, it's the last I think six derbies in a row. Celtic have scored the first goal. Greg Taylor started that in the Scottish Cup semi-final last year, and of course, uh, Joe I scored in the semi-final a couple of weeks ago. So as I say, it will be interesting to see how we approach the game. I'm sure we'll be professional. I think there could be a couple of changes for last week. I would think it wouldn't surprise me if either Moy or Awata came in for. Maybe O'Reilly, Hitati, although that might give us too many defensive options in midfield and we're like attacking options in midfield usually. So we'll just need to wait and see. And as I said, we're not doing a, a preview pod. I mean, the game isn't important enough for that. We'll save that for big games like the cup final. But that doesn't mean we can't give predictions for the game. So Spunkphone, I'll allow you to go first and you can give us your prediction for the game on Saturday. Well, as you say, it's a, a few days away yet. We we don't necessarily know how the team will look, although I do expect it to be the, the strongest possible living. And if that is the case, John, I'm willing to put my neck in the line right now and I'm going to say 2-0 Celtic. I think that as much as it's a, a bigger game for Rangers, I think if we turn up, we're more than, than capable of winning that game. You saw the kind of control, if you like, that we played with in the semi-final without necessarily having all of the game and all of the ball. Um we're missing Carter Vickers, of course. We're missing Alistair Johnson, although Anthony Nelson did come on that game and cope very well. So I think we've got that 
that bit about is that defensive solidity, if you like, where I think we can go to Ibrox and, and keep a clean sheet. I think the only real threat from Rangers, like it's been in the, the kind of previous few games, is going to be set pieces and, and how we obviously stand up to those, the cross balls as well. We know they, they love a cross ball into the box, but I'm confident in this Celtic team. Why wouldn't I be? So I'm going to go with 2-0, John. Well, I'm confident we can get the win as well. And I'm going to go for 2-1. I don't know if it'll be like the most high quality of games, but... I mean, as long as we get the win, it would be extremely amusing to win a game, which practically means nothing to us and isn't even the most important game we'll play in the next month. The cup final is far more important. But no, it would be a good laugh to defeat Rangers yet again, and I really think that would be a terrible result for Michael Beale. I mean, if, God forbid, we do lose, it won't change your mind on Angela players or anything. We'll still give them plenty of plaudits for a great season, but I think if Rangers fairly beat us again and indeed lose under Michael Beale, That'll be him under a lot of pressure for next season, and what a shame that'll be. Right, so that's the end of this week's episode of Glasgow's Green Spunk Phone. Thanks to you, as always, for coming on the pod. It's been a pleasure, as always, John, chatting with your good self, and I can't wait to be back next week and do it all over again. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Spunk Phone. And as I said, we will be back next week with the review of the Glasgow Derby. And I'll look ahead to the St. Marin game, which will be the first game at Celtic Park since we have been crowned champions for the second year in a row right so time for the plugs you can find us in all the usual podcast places you know where by now give us five stars and great reviews and all that you can find us on instagram not twitter at gigpod where you'll see a preview of a pod that we're going to do in a couple of weeks of the goals that won celtic the league so that's something for you all to look forward to we'll get that done in the next couple of weeks and it'll be out after the end of the season and we will be back after the game against Rangers and that'll be very interesting to talk about as ever I mean even though it's a meaningless game for us it's never quiet when we play Rangers so you look forward to that and I forgot to say Stevie wanted to give plaudits to the the macaroni pizza pie he had when we went out on Sunday after the game so I had to put that in because he asked me so thank you to an unnamed establishment for giving him a great pizza that he loved and maybe we'll even name them in next week's episode sorry for that detour but I had to put it in so thanks everybody for listening we'll speak to you all next week well done to Celtic on winning the league good luck to the boys on Saturday at Ibrox hopefully we can achieve a hilarious win which just shows even more that we're the best team in Scotland we'll speak to you all next week and hail hail Podcast Network.